Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to show number 309 from Engage for Success. I'm Joe Moffat and uh, host for today's show. And Engage for Success is the UK's not-for-profit social movement which focuses on employee engagement. We rely very much on the energy, commitment and support of our national network of volunteers and contributors to help shine a light on best practice and share evidence and case studies around employee engagement. And our weekly radio show is a, is a key part of that. Um, today, I'm very pleased to welcome as our guest, Emma Dixon. Uh, hello, Emma. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, so we'll be talking in a little while um, about uh, the topic of how HR can lead massive change uh, and still manage to deliver business as usual. And Emma's going to be talking to us um, about her experience um, of that at Formica Group, where she's People and Performance Manager for UK and Scandinavia. Um, so we'll be covering that off in the next half hour. Um, but before we get into that particular um, experience, Emma, I wonder, could you just give us a little bit of an insight into you professionally, you know, what, what your background is? Yeah, of course. So I started my career in um, telecoms at BT. Um, mm -hmm. I was a call centre manager and I started in marketing as well. So I'm not really from a HR background, um, but I transitioned into that about eight years ago uh -huh. and um, took on a generalist role and have been doing that ever since. Um, really varied um, in terms of the things I've covered across the years um, from organisational design, reward, employee relations issues, um, mm -hmm. union interactions, things like that. Um, mm -hmm. And most recently um, moved to Formica Group three years ago, which was mm -hmm. my first um, step into manufacturing, which right. has been a great move for me. Um, totally different from a from a telecoms background yeah. I guess and industry um, different mm -hmm. different challenges um, mm -hmm. but great challenges along the way so far so just looking forward to seeing what it's got in store going forward. Okay so let, let's just talk a little bit about that to help set the scene um, for our listeners around Formica Group. Can you perhaps just mm -hmm. uh, Emma give us a little bit of a snapshot about the organisation you know what the sort of size is the UK and, and uh, Scandinavia uh, role and locations and that kind of thing and what perhaps some of the cultural issues are? Yeah, so you've probably heard of Formica around kind of 60s time where primarily um, in the UK it was known for worktops and in your kitchens and furniture and things like that. Yes, indeed. So we focus really on surface solutions, which is both for our commercial and residential customers. Mm -hmm. um, so this can be through to working with architects, designers, shop fitters. Um, you might see our product in hotels, um, in toilet cubicles, that kind of thing. Right. So it's a completely varied customer base. Um, mm -hmm. And in terms of our employees, we've got around a 1,000 employees working for the group in Europe. Mm -hmm. um, around... 80% of those are within our manufacturing sites, which we right. have in the UK, Finland, France, Sweden, and Spain. Mm -hmm. And then the Scandinavian part of my role covers off um, 
sales who are remote generally, um, and we've got a warehouse out in uh, Sweden as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the UK covers our um, everything really from um, our commercial teams, um, the sales teams out on the road. Um, we have our head office in North Shields uh, near Newcastle, mm-hmm. which is where I'm based, right. and that um, houses our customer service teams. Um, we have. 60% of our laminate comes out of the operation in North Shields. Right. Um, and we've got um, three, 300 employees here who are working um, shifts 24 mm-hmm. um, hours a day. Mm-hmm. And that's one of our challenges, I guess, is working with um, different shift patterns. Um, a lot of them kind of work in pairs. And mm-hmm. so it's not really a team in, environment as such where you can communicate easily with them. Um, and a lot of them have no access to a work email. So right. going through change and, and that kind of thing is, is more of a challenge. Mm. And I think mm-hmm. the other thing we've had to consider is um, all, many of our um, manufacturing sites across Europe only speak their local language. So we've right. had to, to manage that as well. Okay. Um, okay. So yeah, it's it's a complex environment when it comes to it. In fact, not that many people, if you're in context. So yes, yes, absolutely. As you say, yeah, not actually in the grand scheme of things, an enormous number of people, but quite a lot of complexities and nuances and 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 different you know different aspects in that way. So right, okay. So that that sort of sets the scene. And and would it be fair to say as well, um, Emma, that as far as uh, the manufacturing side of things are concerned. You've also got a union, a unionised workforce. We do, yeah. In mm-hmm. um, all three of our European manufacturing sites, um, yeah. the UK site in particular has been around for um, 65 years, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of the employees here have have worked here. Um, the families through the generations. For right, um, some of our kind of long-serving members at the moment are 30, 35 years. Right. So we've got some long service, um, mm-hmm. and luckily we're, we're bringing on some new new staff at the moment as well, which is um, kind of bringing in a new generation of employees as well. Right. Right. Okay. So lots to take into to account, and I think the main mm-hmm. thing that we want to talk about today really is how um, the experience you have gained and the work you've been doing at Formica Group in the last few years um, has really been a bit of a case study in how an organisation that has gone through massive change, um, uh, yeah. it, how, how HR can lead that, how HR can help make that effective, um, and at the same time try and keep the sort of plates spinning as far as business as usual and the, the day job is concerned. So I wonder perhaps if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about the background um, in terms of the change that's been going on, because I think it's been a very, to, to say, to put it mildly, it's been a busy time in the last few years, hasn't it? It has since uh, since I joined three years ago. That was at the point um, the company had just had sign off for a forty million pound investment right. um, from our uh, then owners Fletcher Building, who were a New Zealand company um, and had supported us for ten years uh, prior to that. Right. And this was an unprecedented amount of money. I think it is for most manufacturing. Um, companies um, or any company to be honest who right. 
we're then looking to invest that in in the North Shield site, um, which was to transform a lot of our old machinery uh, mm-hmm. and the capability that we had mm-hmm. into kind of modern day. Um, a lot right. of our machines are 50, 60 years old. Um, right. A lot of them are still working, but they they take a lot of maintenance. So mm-hmm. this investment was a a really good thing for the plant um, and the site in particular to show that we are investing in the future. Yes. Um, yes. So, so I, and I guess the other the, sorry, go sorry, on, go on. No, 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 no. I was going to talk over you. Carry on, Emma. <laughs> um, and I think to to caveat that, although that was a, a it, it's been a brilliant time for us. At the same time, we were a business in turnaround. Mm-hmm. So the European arm of the business isn't making um, a profit yet. And we are, so although we're investing, we're looking forward to that future and the, the target to, to be profitable. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a bit of a paradox that we've been working with with our employees to balance yes. the, the money coming in, yet with, we're a non-profit organization currently yes we'll have to talk about that in a moment how you how you're handling that and then and and so was this was this investment initially with a view to selling the business or did the sale of the business was that something that kind of came along along the way that was completely separate and out of our hands um from a Fletcher building perspective they needed to um sell off the whole of the formica group um, mm-hmm. to sustain Fletcher Building. So they right. had to um, do that fairly quickly. Um, and, yeah, so it wasn't a reflection necessarily on, on Formica. In mm-hmm. fact, it was a, a good reflection. Um, yeah. And I think now we're we're looking forward with our, our new um, buyers. Okay. So owners. is that now, is that, all, is that, has that business sale completed now? Yes, that completed around uh, four to six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So we're now owned by Broadview, who um, are also a they're kind of specialist in in laminate. Um, so it's a really good right. um, fit for us, and um, should give us a lot of additional knowledge and um, technology that we can take advantage of. Right, right. So it's interesting. I mean, if you you were talking earlier, you mentioned about the the people that working um, people have been there thirty plus years, um, people mm-hmm. who perhaps had previous family family members, at previous generations of work for the organisation. Um, how does yeah. that you know culturally are, are you are you like, are you quite similar or quite different to to uh, Broadview? Um, I think it's quite early to say. Um, mm-hmm. We're currently in those conversations, and, and they're doing a lot of um, investigation around how how the businesses fit together. I think um, it's quite a different business in terms of how they run to Fletcher Building. Um, mm-hmm. So, and we're finding that at the moment, but I think that knowledge that piece, yeah, people within the business are important. So that that's coming through. That's always vital, isn't it? Then. OK, so that's that's happened. So that's gone on. Um, and, and the investment this massive investment, as you say, I mean, it's a significant sum mm-hmm. for any any uh, manufacturer, well, any business, let alone a manufacturing business. Um, how is that progressing? 
It's going really well. So the projects have been underway um, the last couple of years, and um, we're down to the to the last two um, mm-hmm. machines, which have been um, currently going through commissioning. So mm-hmm. it's been um, it's been a, a difficult time, but a an interesting time for for our employees who have had to deal with, I guess, the plant as a construction site as well as a um, running the the plant as a as a normal running business and getting the product to our customers. Of course, yes. Okay, so so as you as you say, a, a significant amount of change has been going on, not just sort of structurally in terms of ownership and selling the company in that time, which of course creates mm-hmm. uncertainty for people, but also these this massive um, investment that has transformed the the actual manufacturing sites themselves. So let's get to the nub of this then, Emma. Your role in HR. What? How did yeah. how did HR get involved in this? What was their what was their driver? What you know? What was their priority? And what what kinds of things did they do to help make all this progress smoothly? So, I think from our point of view, as it we're quite a small team, um, mm-hmm. but we've we've got different specialisms. So, um, there's myself as a generalist, and we've got a specialist in communications. Mm-hmm. So, I worked very closely with um, her to come up with a plan around how can we make sure that all of this investment is seen as a positive thing for the company mm-hmm. um, and for our employees. And previous to her role coming in, which was just before myself, there hadn't really been that transparency of communication. So right. we implemented a number of channels where we could communicate directly with the shop floor who are a big influence on the site mm, of um, and make sure that they understood the the background, the business performance, um, the business plan and what are the key projects and how does that affect them on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. And it was important mm-hmm. to keep that up throughout the, the, the years that we've been um, implementing these, these projects. Okay. So, so I'm fascinated... Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, can, tell me, tell me, because I know I, one of the questions are, that people are always asking is, how do you get communication to people who are not on work emails? So it'll be really interesting to hear what were the kind of things that you did to keep those communications and those channels open? So like many companies, we do um, an engagement survey. And mm-hmm. off the back of that, um, we do listening sessions. So mm-hmm. we take the time um with the teams to speak to them and find out what's going on. So that's right. kind of a day-to-day activity. Uh-huh. But we also introduced um, weekly informed, um, which is basically a, a notice um, that goes out weekly with what's going on in the factory and mm-hmm. what's going on from the projects. And mm-hmm. it might have um, shout-outs and recognition in there. Mm-hmm. And it's basically our weekly newspaper about what's happening on the site. Right. Yeah. Um, we also introduced department team talks because uh-huh. every department was going through a very different change for themselves. Okay. So it was important as well as them understanding the whole business picture that yeah. they understood how it specifically what it meant to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we also had a quarterly team talk, which is 
really the our kind of education channel, um, which is more strategic and high level, but it helps people understand the the business picture, um, mm-hmm. and then that all feeds together. So the story should should link through all of those channels. Right, right, yes. Yeah. So there's one big story, and then you you break it down into into compartments to make sure that it's yeah. relevant to the individual. So so I, going back to the very first one you mentioned, the listening, um, who who mm-hmm. would do that listening? Is that line manager's role to do that and feedback or was that your HR team? We do it as a team, to be honest. So although it's led by the, um, the managers, which I think mm-hmm. is important because they're the ones who need to act on the questions. Um, yes. Myself and my team are very much a um, support for the managers and and the employees. So we play that balance of um, working with the managers, but working with the employees to make sure that their voice is heard as well. Mm-hmm. So there's a, it's very clear that it's not people issues are not just HR's responsibility. It's the line manager, the team no, leader, supervisor's role. But you're there to support them and and help make that a, a positive and valuable experience in in both directions yeah okay yeah and what about what about the unions in all of this um, Emma so we we meet monthly with them um, at the minimum mm. um, to take them through everything and I've worked really hard over the time I've been here to to maintain that relationship and and make it strong and trusting and I think a lot of that has come from being honest with them um, mm-hmm. and and getting their input on on things we're about to do um we have a union agreement that until i joined was around hadn't been updated for uh, 30 years right. so we've done a lot of work with them to through that process really to build build mm-hmm. trust and 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 talk to them and make help them feel included in in all the change that's that's coming along um it's really important to have them on our on our side and be able to have constructive discussions with them about what's actually happening on the mm. shop floor um, and they, they've got a lot of insight that we might not normally be aware of. Right, right. So they're another source of listening um, for you then. Definitely, yeah. Mm. Mm, it's interesting. It's very interesting. We had a, um, a guy on the show a while ago now, actually. It was Northern, Northern Ireland Power Networks. And um, mm-hmm. it, he absolutely endorsed what you're talking about there in terms of open dialogue with the unions, really a trusting relationship, an open transparency and all of that. And, yep. and he talked about how there had been this radical transformation from sort of 30 years ago, um, communication with the unions came under the category of industrial relations and you know that yeah. just isn't isn't some isn't a concept that they even consider now they are just part of the employee engagement approach you know and, and making sure that, that that they're involved in that and I think it's it's really interesting to see how that has changed over the last few decades isn't it really definitely and I think one learning I've certainly found is that you have to keep that consistent because mm-hmm. if that level of communication changes it it can alter their perception of of what's actually happening in the business. Right, right. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so you mentioned um, that that obviously this program of comms was around explaining the bigger picture um, and making sure that you also were able to explain the relevance and um, impact of that on a local level, departmental teams and so on. Um, 
you you touched on something at the beginning that one of the challenges was that you had this enormous investment but it was against the backdrop of an organization that was actually not in profit and I wonder how yeah. you manage that dynamic because that's quite a contradiction isn't it I can imagine that people think oh big investment jolly good you know we're gonna all get pay rises and uh, you know everything's gonna be fabulous so what how do you how did you balance that I think the messages were um, were balanced in terms of using it as a future proofing message mm-hmm. um, we also had to do some education around what capex meant um, and understand that capex is a different kind of bottle of money I guess to right. our normal operational running costs mm-hmm. so just because we were putting on a lot of overtime um, doesn't mean that we can also um, invest in in our day-to-day things so it was very much that education piece and and being transparent about the numbers um, Mm -hmm. so that nothing was was hidden right so it is it's it's keep on coming back to this honesty openness transparency building Mm -hmm. trust um, understanding, you know, sort of shared agenda, really. Um, and did you did you think from your was it always important to you and your team, Emma, that HR got involved in all of this at the very start? Um, and if that if so, um, how did you manage to persuade leadership in the organisation to sort of let you in at the at the very beginning, rather than perhaps dealing with the aftermath or acting reactively? I think we were part of the ta- top table anyway. I think we've we've done well to make sure we're we're part of the team and we are we're business partnering on solutions rather than like you say stepping in when just issues occur. Right. Um so we we had some of that already. I think where our voice became stronger is when we had to remind a lot of kind of engineering technical people that people will be running these machines. So we have to um, make sure that they are supported and understand the change, they're trained, they're communicated with. Um, an analogy we, we used quite often throughout the process was it's kind of like moving into a new house so that we can show them what's coming, they can be involved in the design, um, and then they they're proud of where their new role is mm-hmm. um and using that as a a journey we wanted to take people on um and making sure that that employee communication piece was included within the project plans um and again a lot of that is communication with the teams um and making sure that they understand the value we can add yes yes um, interesting. Also, um, the language issues you touched on. Um, how did you address that? I mean, did you? What, what was the solution to, to the fact that you're dealing with all these different, uh, you know, different languages? Well, the majority of the investment was in in North Shields. Um, mm-hmm. Right. For all of our comms channels, um, so the the newsletter um, and the team talks are all done locally. So they right. are translated, uh-huh. um, and 
the team talks are led by people who can speak the local language. Right. So right, right. it's it's a main feat for, for Laura who runs the comms who has to trans um work with the translators to get things done fourteen times. Um, right. but it's it's, it's important. Yeah. But so, but it's important that people feel valued in their own, own language. Oh absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um you are nearly at the end of this. As you say, I think you've still got two two pieces of work still to conclude. But um while all this was going on, um the day job had to carry on. You had to continue with the normal sort of plate spinning and of business as usual. So how did you prioritize the two different aspects of the HR um responsibilities, Emma? I think the biggest part of that is keeping close to the business. So I work very closely with the teams to understand what were their priorities. Um, mm-hmm. And I think you do do plate spinning in this role, but it's important to to pick the things that are going to have the most impact. Um, for me, some of that has to be the, the day-to-day of... Um, shop floor workers come, um, workers, sorry, coming into the office and, and wanting to speak to me about something that, that just happens and you, mm-hmm. you have to deal with those. Whereas mm-hmm. if the project work as well is important. So there, there are certain things that you just can't drop. Um, mm-hmm. but I think prioritization happens on a reactive basis to a point. But because we've been involved quite from the the outset, you can plan a bit better from where am I going to spend my time um, that's going to have most value. Mm. Mm. Okay. And so, so as a head office in North Shields, that's where the manufacture, yes. a lot of the manufacturing is. So you are you are literally on the same site. So you you know people can walk into yes. HR and and talk to you directly. Okay. Okay. Yes. So what? Tell me, tell us a bit about the um, the audience that you've been involved in, who you've been trying to engage with this whole process. The, the lion's share of your workforce. What's what's the feedback you've had from them over the course of these changes and this, uh, you know, the, what's been going on? Um, I think it's certainly been a challenge for them. I think what they do appreciate is. Um, once they've moved into the the new areas, um, how different and how improved it is from what they've had before. Right. Um, I think the other thing we've we've done throughout the process, which has been positive, is a lot of the teams have had the comments in there, so we've we've been able to give people opportunities to do something new, to be involved in the the implementation process of getting a new machine into mm-hmm. the plant, which has been a new thing for a lot of them. So that's been positive around um, their involvement from the start as well. Right. I think, yeah, so um, yeah. I think how much we've spoken to them has been valued mm-hmm. and how much they've been updated. And I think because they can see the the output now and, and they're starting to see the improvements, um, in the product, they can see the improvements in the the processes that they can see it's it's paying off. Um, although there's been some short term pain for them potentially um, yeah. within the the moves and and training and things like that, they've certainly getting gains in terms of 
the the ease of their role and and how um how much better they can see the product is mm-hmm. so they can see that the the kind of the big picture the vision that you began to paint at the beginning of where this is all going to go they can actually yeah. now start to see that coming true they can see that it actually was did mean something and it was it was true and that trust that they that trust has been maintained throughout as a result yeah yeah, yeah. okay now we've we've got just a, just a minute left emma um can i just finish by asking you if if we've got a listener listening at the moment who's facing something on the similar scale to what you've been describing or even something you know smaller um what would be a couple of key pointers that you would just draw draw their attention to to say don't forget this this is probably the most important thing um i've made a bit of a list on this one i think that one of my biggest ones is just be tenacious i think for hr people it's um it's vital to get your seat at the table and Mm -hmm. um you're in a privileged position that you are in a pivotal role that can see all angles of the organization right and i think yes. to use that when you're trying to influence decisions um but make sure that you're backing that up with facts right um, and not just um gut instinct mm-hmm. because i think we need to remember that although we we are supporting employees there's always a commercial angle to our our conversations and our decisions right um and I think the biggest thing which it's been interesting doing this interview is take the time to reflect on where you've come from because this has been a, a massive journey for the for our company but also for myself in terms of what I've achieved. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes we, we forget that bit um, right. and you're so busy reacting to what's happening on the day that you you forget about all the things you've done and and how much of an achievement that is. And and to pat not only pat everyone else on the back, but remember to pat yourself on the back as well. Yeah, it's important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, I'm going to pat you on the back for a great 30 minutes interview. Um, Emma, that's been lovely. Really fascinating. Thank you very much. And, uh, you know, really encouraging to hear such a positive story from British manufacturing as well. So thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. And it just remains for me to say goodbye. So thank you and good night. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.